0: Thank you.
1: This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Welcome, campers, to the first Halloween edition of Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. I'm your host, Jordan.
2: And I'm Ryan. Tonight we will be reading a selection of stories from from some of our favorite Redditors, along with a submission story uh, written by a longtime friend and listener so make sure to sit uh, sit tight and uh, we're gonna get into it here in just a moment
1: yeah for sure we're just going to uh, you know get into some stories and we're gonna talk about them so this is a way different way different version of the show
2: kind of a Right, a different a different format than than uh, most people are used to, and that more that we're used to as well. Yeah, so absolutely going to be a bit more informal, uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to hopefully doing this. Maybe as you know, different holidays progress or next Halloween, who knows? We'll yeah, see what
1: happens. Definitely, I mean, above all, happy
2: Halloween, right? Happy Halloween, yes, yeah, absolutely. It is Halloween. Hopefully, everybody is. Uh, gotten to either trick-or-treat or visit or some haunted houses which is my favorite thing to do yeah. on halloween maybe a cool halloween party yes or murder mystery party oh. depending
1: on how you're feeling maybe one of those maybe <laughs> all right so i think so, we're gonna start with uh, a bit of a shorter story for yeah,
2: me yeah yeah we're gonna start with the shorter one i'll uh i'll be i'll be reading the first one right um this one is called the witch and the till uh, submitted by a Redditor. Um, we will actually be posting links to some of these stories. Go upvote them. They are fantastic.
1: Agreed. All right. You ready? I'm ready, man. I'm I'm pumped. All right.
2: Again, this is called The Witch and the Till. I looked for the 10 items or less checkout. This one read four items only, so I joined the queue. I will knock on your door, said the young checkout operator. Looking at me past three other customers She was wearing a witch costume She swiped the food item over the scanner Beep She put her head down Face hidden under her hat On Halloween night Beep I will come for your soul Beep When the time is right Beep The customer said his thanks and walked off The operator grabbed the first item belonging to the next customer I will knock on your door Beep She looked at me again on Halloween night. I swear she looked about ten years older this time. Beep. She looked back down and continued scanning. That was twice she looked at me. I turned and saw nobody behind. I will come for your soul. Beep. When the time is right. Beep. The customer paid, smiled, and left. There was just one other customer in front of me. I will knock on your door. Beep. "'On Halloween night. Beep. "'Again, she looked at me. "'I will come for your soul. "'She looked middle-aged. "'Her hair was mostly gray. Beep. "'When the time is right. Beep. "'The customer said his thanks and left. "'I walked alongside the conveyor belt. "'Her hair was now white, face-hidden. "'She was perfectly still. "'I stood at the end of the counter and waited. "'She grabbed my pumpkin.' I will knock on your door. Beep. She placed it in front of me with old hands. There was a maggot on top of the fruit. I brushed it away and put the pumpkin into my basket. On Halloween night. Beep. This next food item was in transparent packaging, and I could see that it was writhing with maggots. I opened my mouth to complain, but nothing came out. I will come for your soul. Beep. Rotten fruit slid towards me. I looked at her. From under the brim of her hat, a worm dangled and maggots fell. When the time, she raised her head, is. I tried to scream and raise my hands but could not do either. Her face belonged to a corpse riddled with creatures under the earth. She started to move towards me, though the counter... I was sinking into the ground... She towered over me. Maggots, worms, and chunks of rotting flesh fell onto my face. Right. This echoed into the black chasm below, and I knew it was the waking dead. The customer stared as the young checkout operator stood over me with a look of concern. I had been screaming and howling for at least a minute. This happened many years ago, and I know the day will come when I hear that dreaded knock on the door. It will not be a trick this time. It will most
1: definitely not be a treat. That's a pretty gnarly story.
2: Yeah. It's uh I mean, so obviously kind of kind of reading or listening through it. Um so my my thing is I I love the way that it's written. it, it kind of it kind of creates that just very unsettling tone. Yeah. Um and just this constant like every ever every like scanned item you know you're hearing this beep of of the scanner but also i mean she's saying these things that only he can hear obviously right. right um and then by the end she's standing over them over him back to being young back to being normal again yeah and you know just like this like he was basically taken to this place uh, he mentions like the back the black chasm below and stuff like that Right. I I thought it was very neat. It was very Halloween-esque. Um, you know, and it's titled The Witch and the or the Witch at the Till. Um, you know, so obviously she progressively gets older and then, you know, goes back to being younger again.
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, hats off to you for a remarkably consistent beep. <laughs> very well done. That's such a pain in the ass to do as I'm also <laughs> reading this. I'm trying to, like, keep... Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, thank you. But, no, like, that... Yeah, that's super creepy. I like how... I mean, I like... I feel like the beeps make the story, right? Because it, like... Yeah. It sets you in the atmosphere of the story.
2: Right. And you're, you know, you're kind of put there... I mean, we've all been through a checkout line. Sure. You know, you you have just each, each item being scanned just making a beep 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 you know whatever else right um you know so it kind of like kind of puts you in that place but then just the overall description and everything and the way that she keeps changing mm-hmm. in front of him and then again him being the only one that can actually see these changes all the rest of the customers are smiling happy like leaving you know yeah. ready to go and then you have this this person that ends up basically having a meltdown
1: all Right, this terrible vision See, and that's like exactly. the—that's the hallmark of good horror, right? Is taking a situation that everyone's familiar with and twisting it, yeah. adding adding something horrible that you wouldn't expect. So, my thing—I mean,
2: was she was she a witch, or was just this uh, was this just maybe this person's mind playing tricks on them? Maybe they were uh, having a mental episode. You know? Yeah. It's hard to say really. Could definitely have been hallucinating. Could have been a hallucination, right? But hearing these things, I will come for you on Halloween night or you know when the time is right, things like that, like I don't know. I, I think maybe she might have actually been a witch.
1: Could have been. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> but, Two in a row, Ryan. I fucking row. I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but yes, I liked it. I thought it was very appropriate, very quick, easy story to start off for sure. Uh, I like it. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm definitely interested to hear uh, what you've uh, what you've got you got yeah, yeah. at least for our next one.
1: I have a a pretty interesting story here about a uh, a mirror, which I find pretty terrifying to begin with so are we like talking like
2: oculus the movie about the the mirror that's, not quite
1: uh, okay not quite it's a little more material than that okay so
2: yeah. i mean that movie was pretty great though
1: it was it was so all right so my story is titled i opened my bathroom mirror and ruined my life
2: oh shit <laughs> that's quite the title
1: yeah <laughs> It's submitted by a Redditor named Bruggalug. Bruggalug. Yeah.
2: I, I didn't mention my Redditor. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll double check at the end and I'll, I'll give him shouts out. But uh, again, they'll be definitely in the, the, the
1: description, guys. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I opened my bathroom mirror and ruined my life. Here we go. I'm going to burn my house down. No, I'm serious. It all started a few weeks ago. I'd just finished getting ready for bed, brushing my teeth and all that business, when I noticed something on the side of the wood framed bathroom mirror. A set of wide bronze hinges. Whoop de doo, right? Wrong. I installed that mirror. It did not have fat bronze hinges when I put it in. But I figured maybe I was wrong. I'm not the most observant person. My wife can fully attest to this fact. So I got over the fact of the surprise hinges. What I did next was pretty obvious. I grasped the wood, fr- the wooden frame, and pulled. The mirror swung easily open to reveal a medicine cabinet. Who'd have thought? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to tell myself. It was just a medicine cabinet, and I could stop worrying all my med- and I could stop storing all my meds under my sink. Where, they've, where they get jumbled with my soaps, rubbing alcohol, shaving cream, and all that mess. Why couldn't it have just been an ordinary, mundane medicine cabinet? Well, I swung that mirror right open to reveal an extremely long, dark corridor. Its sides and floor covered with a thick, mucus-like ooze. Even the back of my mirror was coated in it. Some slid down and plopped onto my sink. A cold breeze then blew from within, and an overwhelming smell of rot punched me right in the olfactory glands. I gagged once, twice, then, well, you know, fortunately my sink has a drain. So now comes the next bit of puzzlement I had to face. On the other side of the wall from my bathroom was my backyard. I had a window right next to it. Six to nine inches or so on the other side of the wall is my yard. There's a bush directly behind the mirror on the other side of the brick. This new conundrum left me scratching my head, but I decided I'd have <clears throat> but I decided I'd had enough of the smell and didn't like the looks of the corridor. Did you ask if I tried to go in there? No, I absolutely did not. I don't even like to go into my crawl space, and that's a perfectly rational place to go. I have no love of dark, mysterious or cramped spaces. This corridor checked all three boxes. Instead, like a sane person, I quickly swung the mirror shut upon the weird geometry, physics, and architectural mysteries contained therein. New problem. It wouldn't shut all the way, no matter what I did. I pushed it, shoved it, threw my body against it, and generally beat the frame with my fists. It wouldn't budge. More of the ooze simply slid down the wall and into my sink, where it made a a low hissing sound, as it worked its way through my drain. It was at this point that my wife, Clarissa, joined me in the bathroom. I'm sure it was the commotion, but after subsequent events pertaining to this mirror, I can't be a 100% sure. What in the world are you doing, she asked in a slightly curious, somewhat irritated voice. As usual, she looked fabulous, even all done up in her comfy pajamas and ready for bed. Noticing the smell, she continued and you know we have sprays for that right I know I know I know I responded more than a little frustrated but do you actually think that smell came from me she did but she didn't belabor the point because <clears throat> now my much more observant than me wife had noticed the goo dripping from the, ba- from the bottom of the mirror please don't tell me we have to <clears throat> please don't tell me we have mold growing behind our mirror now John I already hate this house enough to explain her comment we'd spent way more money than than you want to know about renovating this place when we first moved in it was like the original owners built everything wrong on purpose just to spite us on every turn we found something urine stained poorly constructed and generally not up to snuff the lesson never buy a house online sight unseen while living overseas it's probably a pretty good lesson to learn well that. yeah absolutely <laughs> well now that she was in the bathroom i had to show her the space behind the mirror she like me was similarly unnerved and did not have a desire to further to further explore the mirror that night so we both put our backs into it and shoved the thing closed it popped back open we did it again same result don't worry i didn't leave it like that i had no idea what might crawl out of that thing in the middle of the night and i didn't want to find out a quick trip to the garage ensued where Clarissa watched the mirror upon my return, hammer, nails and bungee cord in hand my 12 year old son Jack and teenage daughter Amy were in, were in there chatting with their mother about something I think it was about laundry they weren't as perturbed about the smell or the goo as Clarissa, as Clarissa and I were can I see what's back there? asked Jack, his eyes practically gro- glowing with excitement no, I said flatly, not right now we don't have time for that tonight we all have early mornings tomorrow school work and so on now beat it i know it was a bit it was a bit too harsh but i was stressed the nails went up on either side of the mirror connecting these i stretched the bungee cord tightly over the mirror enough was enough for one night the next morning i awoke with the door to my bedroom wide open the bathroom light gleaming into my eyes and the sight of jack's face pressed against the wall and sink ravenously devouring the goo he was making loud slurping sounds it took a moment to register then i practically flew into the bathroom and pulled him away oh no it wasn't easy to extract him rather my precious little boy usually so even-tempered and mild mild mild-mannered who i could easily roll over and subdue in a tickle fight fought back with a vengeance he snarled at me like a rabid animal foam and snot running from his mouth and nose it was a terrifying sight but I committed to the task. A second later, we were squirming on the bathroom floor as my son snapped and bit at me. He managed to take a solid chunk of flesh out of my hand before I could contain him. Under my much heavier body, he spasmed and kicked erratically for several minutes before finally lying limp and calm. Mold does that to people, right? I swear I read that online somewhere that mold can make you psychotic. I'm sure that's what it was. As it turns out, Jack had no recollection of what he had been doing with the goo. He said he had just gone into the bathroom to look at it. He just blanked out. This was the first instance of this type of behavior. It soon began to feel as if he had an addiction to the slime, as he was making any and all excuses to go into my bathroom. I need a Q-tip. I need more mouthwash, and so on and so on. I'd follow him in each time, and he'd go right for the sink. I'd have to inform him that the items he was looking for were in the bathroom closet. To be honest, I found myself doing similar things. I'd blank and find myself staring at my sink. Maybe even reaching for the mirror. Then someone would come in. I would suddenly realize what was happening and get out of there. Fortunately, his sister and mother didn't seem as affected and attracted by the stuff, so I was at least grateful for that. The second time it happened with Jack was after school. When I went into the bathroom, I found the bungee cord had been removed and the mirror was open slightly, just enough for a good-sized amount of the glop to pile up in the sink. After he had put down the stopper, I discovered him shoveling fistfuls of the stuff into his mouth, so much that it was sliding down his chin and soaking his clothes. That was it. From then on, I said the bathroom was off-limits. I made sure the mirror was secured, removed our essentials, installed a lock on the door, and removed the temptation. He showed some initial signs of withdrawal, such as anger and rage, but he soon seemed to forget. As a safety measure, though, I chained him to his bed. I realized this was somewhat extreme, and it could have been a fire safety violation, but you don't understand how disturbing it was to watch him eat that stuff. Ultimately, Clarissa and I decided that our bedroom was also off limits, just to be safe. The stink was carrying through the door and walls, so I locked our door, hid the key on the <clears throat> hid the key on the lentil and covered the door frame with caution tape. We moved across the hall into my son's room. He moved into the upstairs guest room near his sister. Everything seemed to be going well. That's when it all went downhill. I awoke this morning with a bad headache and an iron taste in my mouth. I felt sticky and clothed. That was strange, because I usually shower before bed and wear very little when I sleep. This time I was completely dressed, including shoes, lying on top of the blanket. I was wearing my jacket for some reason, but my arms were covered with the goo, as were my pants and shoes. As for the iron taste in my mouth, a quick look in the mirror over my son's dresser showed I was also covered in blood in the mirror i saw the remains of what used to be clarissa scattered about the bed i can't say more i can't say more than that no i screamed fleeing from the disgusting scene in the bedroom immediately i saw the caution tape had been torn down a few pieces still dangling placidly from the door frame the door wide open the bathroom door wide open the mirror wide open no 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 i protested rushing with reckless abandon headlong into the darkened bedroom The bathroom was only lit from the window to the backyard, so I flipped on the lights and immediately found the entire floor to be covered in the thick mucus stuff. What I saw next shut me up right quick. There were footprints and other markings in the goo. Right away I recognized my own footprints. They were between the door and the sink, intermixed. I saw smaller footprints, but not Jack's size. No, these belonged to my daughter. This made sense. Amy was taller than my son, and able to reach the top of the bedroom doorframe. She, <clears throat> she was also not chained to her bed at night. But that wasn't all. No, I saw the following. Large, cloven hoof, hoof prints. The handprints hand of one of many small children, and a bunch of small, thin drag lines that covered most of the floor. To be clear, we do not have farm animals, small children, or anything that slithers. But of course, this wasn't my chief concern at the moment. I had to check on Amy. I ran down the hall screaming her name. Amy! Amy! No response. Her bedroom was predictably empty. Her car was still in the driveway. Dad, I heard Jack call for me from the guest room. Thankfully, he was still there, chained to his bed. Can I please get up? So here I am. Amy is missing. Clarissa is deceased. I've dropped Jack over at a friend's house. I know the right thing to do. My gut tells me that I have to go in that black mirror, but I can't, and now I'm feeling something different within me, two distinct heartbeats. I'm sure it's just my nerves, and I refuse to believe it could be anything else. No, I have to burn it down, even though I may never see Amy again. Clarissa, she's in there too, along with God knows what else. Now I sit here hunched over my laptop at a fast food chain near my house, scared as anything, not wanting to go back, but knowing I have to. Why did I have to open that stupid mirror in the first place? Boom.
2: So, all right. Um, A couple comments. Uh, I didn't expect the Clarissa part. Yeah. Like, the the talking about the taste of iron and stuff like that. I figured, you know, like... Maybe he had gotten hurt or something. Maybe he like leapt through the beer, the mirror in the middle of the night or something. Like whatever. Right. Um, but to basically see remnants of her <laughs> posted all over the room and the bed and everything, um, painted a very gruesome and gnarly picture, which is awesome. Agreed. So also, this guy was obviously a pussy. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I mean, the fact that he was neglectful enough, like he knows that. His daughter, Amy, is most likely on the other side of the mirror. Like, yeah, I mean, he saw some shit, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. But the fact that his first instinct is burn it to the ground. Right. Kill his daughter. Versus, like, right, exactly. Try and see. Mo- maybe he can rescue yeah. her. Yeah,
1: he doesn't even try.
2: You know, to me, it's pathetic. Right. Agreed. Super pathetic. And so, yeah, I just find that, uh, I, I just find that very bothersome.
1: Yeah. I feel like he made a lot of pretty un he made some leaps i would not recommend
2: oh i mean yeah no doubt i mean the first of all chaining his son to the bed yeah um was a pretty
1: fucking gnarly move Um, agreed
2: you know that's probably not the route that i would have gone there
1: i feel like a guy who would chain his son to the bed to keep him there is only a couple steps away from ripping his wife to pieces anyway
2: (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly. You know, to each their own, I guess. So
1: maybe this sludge wasn't as powerful as we assume. It's just, yeah.
2: It's, it's just super crazy. Um, also, I wonder what it was that kept drawing the son to want to eat this nasty shit. Right. Like, there was obviously something that was drawing him in. Maybe it was a feeling of power or something like that. Each time he would continue to eat it or something. Sure, um, you know, becoming you know becoming more and more of an addiction essentially. Uh, you know, maybe it was that that was, that's what kept pulling him in. Just it kept making him feel powerful or something. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I guess so. They just had a renovation or a renovation, right? Right. Um, So, had he not ever opened the medicine cabinet up to that point?
1: Well, his thing was when he installed it, it didn't have hinges. There was nothing behind it.
2: Right. There were no, like, brass or or whatever hinges. Right. Yeah. That was was kind of the first notable thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, that should have been, first of all, like... I mean, why not be like, honey? Did you do this? Right. (laughs) Did you change the mirror? Did we add these? (laughs) Am I crazy? Right. Um... You know, but opening it up, I mean, that right there should have been a dev- dead giveaway that something is not right. Yeah. Like, it, it's at that point, I'd probably re- be reaching out to somebody, <laughs> you know, like, hey, does this this normally happen when you put up a medicine cabinet? Right. This opens up kind of a portal or, you know, whatever to another dimension, essentially.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I love stories like this, though. It, like, it's like, I love like the gloopy messy nasty it kind of like reminds me of like oh the, yeah
2: it's super gross yeah
1: like i love the like cronenberg the like the like this idea of this just like interdimensional sludge finding its way into it and it like right. fucks people up obviously this one's a little inconsistent right like the son eats it and yeah, he just wants to eat bit, more yeah. the dad eats it and he becomes a like wife tearing apart monster like I'm not I'm not sure why it affects them so differently but
2: I think like I mean if if the if the guy had chained his son to the bed why didn't he chain himself like maybe there should have been like a thing like yeah we both went expose this maybe it's something like maybe it's going to affect me in a negative way sure like what what how
1: did he not like even think maybe that's a possibility well he didn't chain himself to the bed because being chained to a bed is uncomfortable
2: but you're gonna subject your child to it
1: (laughs) yeah duh
2: like fuck off buddy
1: come on (laughs) no he's a bit of a he's a bit of a prick
2: he's gonna win major dad of the year points here apparently for sure especially after he burns his daughter alive (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> burn it to the ground <laughs> oh yeah i loved it though that was that was cool it was very very dark very twisted yeah it yeah. like very settling to me i mean it was you know so so kind of weird and twisted and gruesome that it was like yeah very comfortable yeah if that's a way to put something no. i guess <laughs> i have,
1: you, i like you it you feel right yeah. at home in stories like that i get it yeah
2: yeah it's it's Maybe I'm just twisted. I don't know, but those are those are what we're looking for here. So I think that was a prime example of what we're going for.
1: Agreed, completely.
2: Awesome. I'm ready to keep these going.
1: Yeah, I want to. Your next wanna, one's pretty long, right?
2: Yeah, I was gonna say. Do you want to do another one, and I can do one, or do you want me to go and do mine, and then you can do wrap up the uh, last two?
1: Um. Well, I have another one that's about the same length as the one I just told. Okay um if you if you'd like I can I can do that one and then we can have your your long one and we'll finish up with the one the one from uh our friend Corey yeah let's do
2: it yeah that's yeah? cool
1: I'm into that for sure kind of split it up a little bit yeah okay so my next story is called my dad's Shenzhen story okay and it is by submitted by a redditor with probably it might be my favorite reddit name ever evil knievel 77 <laughs> you know with a name
2: like evil knievel this has to be a good story
1: exactly also like how cool do you have to be to only be the 77th person to think of evil knievel as your reddit name
2: i mean yeah that's pretty damn good yeah
1: it's pretty early yeah. you know there's evil Knievel 3875
2: 3,000 right exactly yeah. <laughs> we had the same kind of turn there yep
1: all right you ready yeah let's do it cool all right my dad's Shenzhen story this isn't a story that happened to me but to my father he's told this story to us since we were little and has made sure we keep our eyes peeled whenever we're using public transport because of it. I figure I ought to tell the story to others, not only because it's a good one, but also because you never know if it might save your life one day. So my dad was an expat studying in China back in the early 90s. He had chosen to study in Shenzhen, a major Chinese city in the south of China that was rapidly growing at the time and also had special economic privileges the rest of China didn't have at the time under the communist government. Even today, the city is among China's largest and richest. According to my dad, China wasn't terribly well-developed in the early 90s, as it, <clears throat> as it was still trying to grow its economy and recover from the cultural revolution of the 60s and 70s. I won't bore you with a history lesson, but suffice it to say, most of China's cities were nothing like they are now. No sprawling lights and fancy skyscrapers, or at least not many of them. There were still lots of tall buildings and many cities had rudimentary subway lines and sophisticated bus systems, though. Shenzhen was Shenzhen was at the forefront of development at the time, surpassing even the capital, Beijing. So my dad was naturally so my dad naturally decided It was a great place to learn Chinese and build business connections in a nation that at the time promised enormous returns on investment. My dad was studying at an American university that had managed to build a partnership with one of the local universities. I forget which one, though. His Chinese was a bit rusty, he admitted to me. But it was good enough to get around, and he was getting better all the time. So one day, as my dad always starts the story, he was returning from school late at night. In China, students study really hard and are usually expected to stay behind and study extra after school if they're struggling. Even students who do well sometimes stay at school until around 6 at night. The student culture there is quite different from the U.S. My dad, after having stayed a particularly long time this school day, had finally gotten off school and had taken a subway back to his apartment, which was on the other side of the city. It was real late at night, like midnight or 1 a.m., And there weren't a ton of people on the subway at that hour Even when traffic is low in China There tends to be quite a few people My dad told us My dad told us there were about 15 to 20 On the subway car he was on That might sound like a lot But during rush hour a subway car can become Extremely cramped with over 100 people on it And almost nowhere to sit Let alone stand But since it was late at night My dad had been able to find a seat And there were several empty seats in the car The seats were parallel to each other, making each passenger stare at the other from one side of the car. The subway was going on its course, he says, when an old lady gets on the train. She comes over and sits right next to my dad. The train closes its doors and starts going on its way again. He remembered he noticed the old lady because she was the only person willing to talk to my dad while everyone else stayed to themselves. She asked my dad a few questions, like where he was from why he had come to China and what he was studying you know the usual boring stuff all of a sudden the subway stops very suddenly my dad was confused because none of the lights on the train indicated they had arrived at a stop but regardless the subway stopped apparently the fluorescent lights on the subway flickered and then, <clears throat> and then the doors to my dad's car opened up three men walked into the car and they sit down directly across from him he said nobody had really noticed them walk on and the subway continued on its way. My dad said that the men were dressed very oddly. They had on red guard outfits, you know, the communist jumpsuits normally depicted in propaganda art from the Mao era. They had the green felt hats with the red star and held red communist party flags and had very dirty faces. My dad noticed right away that no one would look at these guys and that the old lady next to him was visibly uncomfortable. He had heard about the Red Guards in a class a few weeks ago, and knew that they were a terror to the common people of China during the Cultural Revolution, often creating havoc, destroying property, beating people, and forcing people to confess to trumped-up trumped crimes in struggle sessions. My dad told me that they apparently killed a lot of people in their day, so it was very reasonable that people were uncomfortable with their presence. It was odd for people in the 90s to wear that kind of outfit because most people wanted to forget about that dark chapter in Chinese history. But my dad said he didn't think much about it, because there were communist youth leagues around, and he saw kids dressed up similarly at times. But even my dad started to feel really uncomfortable around them, too. He said they just gave off this really malevolent energy. Like, if you looked at them the wrong way, they'd have you arrested right then and there. He did his best to avoid eye contact with them, wriggling in his seat. Apparently, they kept looking at my dad, and that's when he got really scared. My dad was the only foreigner on the subway that night. Something anyone who has been to China will tell you isn't an, unusual ha- isn't an unusual happenstance. He was scared they might target him for something or harass him. As at the time, and even now, Chinese people can be really xenophobic and suspicious of foreigners. My dad looked around and noticed that, tr- that the train was utterly silent except for the sound of the subway rolling on by it was totally quiet like dead silent nobody was looking at these three guys my dad was totally freaked out and kept trying to look at something else like the windows or the lights indicating where the route where in the route they were now suddenly the lady next to him pulled on his shirt he looked over and the old lady had a very upset look on her face he looked at her for a second and then the lady said where's my wallet my dad said this had really startled him because he had no idea what she was talking about the lady had chosen out of all the empty seats in the subway to sit right next to him my dad replied what are you talking about the old lady was visibly upset and said in a shaky voice where is my wallet I had it when I got on the train and now it's gone you're the only person I've sat next to and it's missing my dad's Chinese wasn't the best so he didn't know the word for steal and thief And and he knew the old lady was accusing him of something my dad started to get really angry with the old lady and he told her he didn't have it and he didn't know what she was talking about. My dad glanced up over the my dad glanced over nervously at the three red guards and then got really mad. What the hell was this? A setup? Some kind of scam? Things like that weren't unheard of and my dad didn't like being discriminated against just because he was a foreigner. He turned to the old lady and they started to argue. The old lady kept insisting my dad had her wallet and my dad kept telling her she was mistaken, pulling out his pockets and showing her she was wrong. Apparently, though, this lady wouldn't let it go, and kept yelling at him to give it back. My dad was seriously angry at this point, practically yelling at the top of his lungs in broken Chinese that the old lady was crazy, and that she probably left it at the last stop before she got on. Finally, the old lady insisted that my dad and her get off at the next stop and go to the police department to get it settled. My dad was not going to have it, but she threatened to call over the three guys across from them, and that's when my dad got paralyzed with fear. He did not want to mess with, the, with any communist authorities or get thrown in jail because of some old lady, so he agreed that they would get off on the next stop. To my dad's surprise, the three men kept still in their seat, their eyes fixed on him intensely, but not saying or doing anything else eventually the subway arrived at the next stop and the old lady grabbed my father's sleeve and bolted right off the subway onto the platform my dad stumbled behind her and had nearly fallen when he got off the train at which point he gained his balance and started yelling at the old lady again the old lady however put her hand over his mouth and told him sharply to shut up my dad went quiet when he noticed the fear in her eyes and the look of bewilderment on her face She took her hand off his mouth, and my dad noticed she was shaking. I know you didn't steal my wallet, she said quietly, still shaking. I just needed an excuse for us to get off that subway. My dad looked at her inquisitively. Why, he asked her. Those men, did you notice them? she asked. Yes, the Red Guards, they were looking at us, he replied. No, the old lady repeated. Did you notice them? My dad didn't understand. He got a very concerned look on his face. "'They weren't normal people,' the old lady said, shaking even harder. "'How did they even get on the subway?' "'My dad was really concerned now. What do you mean?' "'They didn't have any legs,' the lady said, her eyes dead serious. "'My dad suddenly realized she was right. "'He had been so busy trying not to look at them or looking at their faces "'that he hadn't even noticed. "'All the color from his face drained out, of the, out, drained out at that realization.' Well after that the old lady had offered to walk my father back to his apartment but he had politely declined. They went their separate ways and my dad walked quite a while before getting out of the subway and calling a taxi to take him home. Usually he wouldn't have spent the extra money but he needed to get home as soon as possible after something freaky like that had happened to him. My dad was seriously spooked. <clears throat> he got home and had gone to bed like normal as he was as he was very tired after that odd experience. The morning after it, as he always puts it, he was The morning after it, as he always puts it, has always stuck with him ever since. The next morning my dad had gotten up and gone to the apartment's lobby and he noticed the newspapers that had been delivered that morning. The story on the front page made my dad freeze. There had been a major subway crash in down in downtown Shenzhen the night before. The subway, as you might have guessed, was my dad's it must have happened shortly after my dad had gotten off that old with that old lady. According to my dad, everyone on that subway died. That's gnarly as fuck.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what direction I was going to go there at the end. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, this old lady literally saved the day. Yeah, for like, sure. Despite her, you know, him, like, thinking that she's, like, you know, basically accusing him of stealing her purse or whatever else. Like, you know, I mean, she literally saved the day. Yeah, she saved his ass. So my question, though, is how could... I mean, yeah, he, granted, he, he was he was paying attention to what they looked like and, you know, and them being in their, you know, whatever, their their outfits and, and whatever, their attire. Right. Um, you know, but, like, how could you not notice or even at least like slightly not notice they didn't have legs first of yeah.
1: all yeah i mean i i it kind of makes sense to me because like if someone's right across from you and you're trying so hard not to look at them you know what i mean like you're just kind of stealing quick glances while you're trying not to not to notice them or trying to have them not notice you seeing them you know
2: right i mean yeah i get it but you know that Everybody's going to do that. Like, corner out of the corner of your eye, you're going to, like, give right. them a stare down. And you're going to go top to bottom, you know, or bottom, bottom to top, whatever.
1: I mean, maybe, but if someone's sitting down, how often are you looking at someone's legs True. while they're sitting down, right? And depending on what they're actually wearing,
2: I mean, if these coats are, like, you know, very, like, rather lengthy. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it could be, it, yeah, you could chalk it up to just, you know, them sitting down and maybe the way they're sitting you couldn't see it um you know but like if, if he was one of the only like like he had said many people didn't notice or really act like they noticed that these people had gotten on and but yet he watched them walk on or glide on or fly right. on whatever i guess at this point um yeah which is which is crazy so there was obviously some, you know, this this older lady, um, you know, paying paying attention as she did. Um, you know, so I, I guess I'm kind of I'm going skipping ahead to the newspaper article of the crash and no sure. one surviving. Yeah. Um, you know, could it have been like? that, you know, like, you know, she knew that something was going to happen just because they were there. Um, you know, given, given, like, the kind of uh, the lore and everything of the area and knowing yeah. of these people, right? Maybe they bring about, like, something bad or maybe it's like a, um, you know, maybe it's like a foretelling of something that's going to happen or something, right? Yeah. Or could it have happened and yet they were able to get out before they were victims of it. Um right. you know, so maybe they endured it but didn't at the same I don't I don't
1: know. Right. So there's there's a question here of whether these are like Modoc style, like um sort of like shadow people, right? How people say right. they'll like show up before a tragedy. Yeah. As like a as like a warning, sort of, you know, Mothman style.
2: I was I was getting ready to bring it up, yep.
1: Right. <laughs> um you know, maybe this is China's silver bridge collapse. Yeah. Right.
2: (laughs) True. Um, Yeah. It very well could be. I mean, that could exactly be what we're, what we're looking at here.
1: Yeah. Or they could be like, they could have been like malevolent spirits that caused the incident.
2: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's definitely, you know, a possibility too. And that's where like, and that's where I, you know, kind of question did it actually happen while they were still on board, but yet were able to get off, so they didn't end up becoming victim to this tragedy? Like you know, maybe maybe they it did happen, but yet at the same time they were they were focused on each other throughout this whole ordeal that it allowed them to still come out alive, quote unquote. Okay um i don't know i you know i'm just, i'm kind of reaching here but you know i mean uh, there are lots
1: of cool stories we could write about this you know what right I mean?
2: oh yeah for sure
1: like yeah. maybe they died in the crash and you know he's this he's is, a spirit now
2: exactly right? that's what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. maybe maybe they actually like something happened or they did experience it uh but because they were so focused on each other they were able to get out and somehow like returned to like the world of the living or you know remained unharmed um, yeah. even though like they would have continued to stay on they would have just you know perished at that point
1: um you know it's who's to say or maybe the red guard that they saw are just like <clears throat> spirits stuck in a loop and they have been since they died during the cultural revolution and it's just a coincidence that this train crash happened yeah that's possible time.
2: too yeah yeah, I mean, needless to say, super cool. Um, yeah. I I like, I didn't expect the end of that on this one again. Um, nice. You know, and that's what's really cool about these types of stories is, like, the ending is, is just always, like, just more of a mind fuck than anything.
1: Yeah. That's what I liked about your first story, too, was, like, when right. he was kind of, like, all of a sudden the girl was normal again. And yeah, he yeah. was just
2: having a meltdown, and, you know, she's standing over top of him asking if he's okay. Yeah. Right yep yeah very cool awesome i dig it i dig it for sure good good find here
1: i'm hyped for your uh for your long one yeah this one's gonna be kind of lengthy by the way i'm gonna i'm gonna apologize for the terrible reading on that one It like the the writing style in that story was so different from my own that it was so hard to get through
2: the thing about these are is that we're reading them and we're reading them live versus the way that we kind of normally do our stories sure. as well like you know I mean you know in a normal episode we have to we you know we we do record our stories we read them to each other and then we also re-record them just to for the sake of making it flow better right Sure yeah and so with this like yeah we're reading them on the fly and so and I think that makes it it makes it more authentic yeah um but also you know it, it does make it a little bit harder to read because you can easily stumble over writing that's not your own
1: yeah for sure also though like this you know this episode is bonus content so we're we're just taking it relaxed and chilling and hanging out and just sharing some scary stories on halloween with each other
2: exactly again happy halloween guys absolutely Hope you guys are enjoying it
1: yeah cuddle up turn the lights down low get spooky
2: especially this one yeah 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 do yourself a favor just go ahead and dim the lights or turn them off just put on your headphones oh yeah let my voice carry you through this oh yeah super sexy sounds of halloween 2021 (laughs) (laughs) and can't wait for volume two (laughs) awesome all right you ready to do this i'm so ready
1: I got a candle lit in front of me. Let me finish up my beer really quick. Got, got a nice little spooky spooky setting going here. Oh yeah. Dude. I'm into create it. Create the whole the whole ambiance of everything here. That's right. I'm hyped. It's fucking Halloween, man. Light a candle, turn the lights off, get spooky.
2: Yeah, let's summon some ghosts or demons or aliens. Yeah. Bring Aliens them in. aren't really Halloween, but fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. Aliens are always invited. Aliens are always invited. You are so <laughs> right. Alright, this one is called a Halloween hunt. Yes. Again, it is a little bit longer, so make yourselves comfortable. So we're finally going to do it this year, Andy asked with enthusiasm. Just sign the deed, Brandon said with a grin. The old Sutton place is officially ours. I guess they finally got it fixed up enough to call it safe. Not too safe, I hope. Andy was practically bouncing in his chair with excitement as he said this. This is going to be great. We're going to open a haunted house attraction in a real haunted house. This is going to be the best Halloween ever. Definitely, Brandon agreed. But I told you before, ghosts aren't real. I just think the rumor will bring bring in customers. I mean, who could resist something like this? It's going to be a gold mine. Now we've got a lot of work to do if we're going to open this thing up in two days. Let's get going. First of all, I want to say that's very... <laughs> that's very aspirational. Two days right? to open up a haunted house that they just signed just signed on. Okay.
1: From nothing to operational in two days.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Ambitious boys. <laughs> <this,
2: laughs> exactly. This is how most conversations went between these two young friends. Andy was ambitious and excitable. He was always ready to have fun and create something new. Brandon, on the other hand, was always more calculated. He enjoyed having fun as much as the next guy, but he preferred to know his risks and the rewards involved. The two became best friends when they shared a dorm room in college before they both dropped out. They were convinced they could do better out in the real world by themselves than they could ever do in school. Brandon was exa- wasn't exaggerating when he said they had work to do. They had a location, volunteers, and props. All the elements were there, but they still didn't have a haunt ready for tourists. Brandon wasn't going to let it stop them though. In 2 days it would be the day before Halloween, which also happened to fall on a Friday. This wouldn't be the best this would be the best possible time for them to open their attraction, and he had every possible every intention of seeing that happen. Andy was too excited to wait any longer either. If he had his way, they would open right away. On the same night, he signed the deed. The two of them hit the project with vigor, with a vigor that only comes from excitement and, and ambition. When the time came, they would be ready. What do you think I should do with this? Uh, with the staircase, Andy called down from the landing in the Sutton House. There aren't too many good hiding spots for our actors, but it's too big of an area to ignore. That's your domain. You take the upstairs and I do the basement. We both work on the main floor. That's the deal. I'm pretty sure the staircase is where Mrs. Sutton hung herself. Brandon called back to him while going over his notes. Yeah, do something with that. We should try to make it as authentic as possible. I bet I can rig something up. Andy's head was already swimming with dozens of ideas for the area. Did you take care of the kitchen? I've got places marked for two of our guys to come out for jump scares and one to lead people into the dining room. Brandon was always on top of things. He may not have been, he may not have known exactly what was going on or what he was going to do to have the, or have the actors do, but he knew where he needed them to be. They could take, they could take some liberties with their roles as far as he was concerned. I'm going to check out the new, out my new basement. Just remember to clean up or clean up after yourself down there, Andy. Jested before he picked up his own notes uh, from where he left off on the floor. Andy couldn't fight back a smile as he looked around the upper floors of the mansion. The place must have been built at least a hundred years ago, and it hadn't been cleaned in almost as long—not since the Suttons were alive. There were cobwebs in the corners, and a layer of dust covered everything. Andrew loved the way the rooms looked, like a classic haunted house. They wouldn't have to do much decorating to make the place look creepy. The lack of care for the house made it scary by itself. That, and the story that came with it, of course. 72 years before Brandon Myers purchased the Sutton home for his haunted attraction, it belonged to the extremely well-to-do family of four. Very mysterious characters they were. The town knew a lot about Dr. Sutton, as he was the only one uh, who would leave the town uh, the home whenever supplies were needed. He was friendly enough, and he always greeted everyone he saw. He tipped generously for any services rendered, and he was always a gentleman when it came to the, woman in, the women in town. The townspeople found him charming and didn't even question his desire to be away from the public as he spent most of his days locked up in his home, performing whatever studies a doctor of his specialty would be performing. He was eventually found dead of an overdose on his front lawn. Years later, the police would find over 30 corpses buried in a secret room in the basement. These corpses were later identified as his test subjects. Most were immigrants, runaways, or homeless men searching for a place to call home, individuals that no one would notice that went missing. Dr. Sutton's wife Annabelle was stricken with grief after the untimely death death of her husband. No townspeople would come to her side to help her, though, because no one was willing to approach the, the large house again. She turned to the occult in an effort to speak to her husband again. Seances, witchcraft, and anything else that she felt could reach him. It is unknown who attended these seances or if, it would ev- if she ever succeeded. She was found in her wedding dress hanging from the banister of the, ma- the master staircase. Black candles burned all around her. With both Doctor. and Mrs. Sutton dead, it fell upon Dr. Sutton's mother, Evelyn, to raise their young boy Charles. Evelyn was an old elver- er, an elderly woman with brittle bones and weak muscles, but she was an excellent caregiver. The toddler was in good hands with, the- with her rumors spread around the town about the house and its inhabitants the rumors bred fear and the fear bred anger evelyn was murdered one one night in the upstairs bathroom by a group of teenagers who believed they were doing the town a service jesus the child exactly yeah fucking brutal god the the child charles was never found during interrogations each of the murderous teens claimed that they have never saw a child in the house that night Since then, no one was willing to live in or even own the Sutton House. No one until Andy and Brandon, that is. The two of them wouldn't let some old story keep them away from such an amazing opportunity. Andy continued his investigation of the top level. He stopped to take notes when he found the master bedroom, an old four-poster bed with the central point of the room. Surrounding it were some of the standard bedroom furnishings, there was a vanity with a mirror, a chair for reading in, and an old uh, or an old armoire. He marked the places he would like someone stationed. He liked the idea of having someone under the bed sheets rise up to frighten visitors. The mirror was too dusty to reflect anything, but he decided to leave it that way. It would add to the creepiness factor for, of the room, and it wouldn't be able to reveal any actors as they hid from behind the customers. In the main hallway... Andy was assaulted with a terrible smell so pungent that he almost passed out after a single whiff. When he recovered from the initial shock of the smell, he began to look for the source. It wasn't hard to follow something so powerful. He tracked it to the bathroom at the end of the hall. His eyes began to water as he opened the door. Through his tears, he could see the bathtub was full of dark and stagnant water. Andy didn't even want to think about how long that could have been there. He considered finding Brandon and telling him about it, but he decided that Brandon wouldn't want to hear about anything that might delay their project. Andy held his breath as he reached into the murky water and pulled the plug. He gagged as he felt the water draining around his wrist. When he pulled it out, he found that there were long strands of hair clinging to his arm. Ugh.
1: Disgusting. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> I, I can't even... Oh, dude... Like, that just, that just, oh, that makes my stomach turn. I
1: legitimately gagged a little. Yeah, I feel it, I feel it.
2: Using every fiber of his being not to vomit, Andy focused on the awesome Halloween that he was working toward, so he separated the wet hair from his skin.
1: Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's so nasty.
2: In the basement, Brandon had just finished marking everything of importance when he noticed a strange light on the far wall. Upon examination, he discovered that the light was just a reflection. He had to look very closely at the entire area again before he noticed the opening in the wall that was the source of the anomaly. He placed his hand on the wall next to the crack and gave one hard push. The wall swung open to reveal a hidden doorway into Dr. Sutton's old workspace. A large stone slab in the center of the room commanded Brandon's attention immediately. Once he shook free from its grasp, he looked around the room and saw the crude medical extru- instruments lining the shelves along with jars of God knows what.
1: There's your centerpiece for your haunted house. There you go. Holy shit.
2: This must have been where the doctor performed his experiments. Brandon was very glad he found this room. It could really tie the attraction to the history of the house. The room must have been sealed almost airtight because Brandon noticed a few pieces of medical equipment shudder just before he felt a cold gust of wind. For two days, Annie and Brandon worked to guarantee their haunted house would be the best haunted house it could be. They spared no expense. They had props created and delivered to them in great haste. When they found that there would, be, there would not be enough volunteers to cover the entire house, they hired some actors to fill the final roles. They even paid a carpenter to double check the integrity of the house. They didn't want this to end in a lawsuit. The two friends worked tirelessly through the night to make sure every single thing was in order. By that Friday night, everything was ready. The area outside of the Sutton House looked like a massive Halloween party. The line for a mission stretched down the block. People in costumes g- gathered in mobs to discuss what they might find inside. Both shouts of excitement and cries of fear could be heard. Several of the actors that Brandon picked out were mingling among the crowd attempting to plant a seed of terror before anyone even set foot inside. Things were going well. It seemed like the entire town wanted to get a peek inside the mansion, and thanks to Brandon and Andy, they would. When the time came to start letting people inside the house, Andy stepped up to the porch to give a ceremonial speech. "'Is everybody ready to get scared?' he called out to the audience of customers. This resounded in an approving roar. "'As you all know, this haunted house is different from all the other ones that pop up around this time of year.' Another roar. "'This house isn't just some gimmick. This house, my friends, is a notorious death house.' of the Sutton family. He waited for the crowd's cheers to die down. Keep your wits about you in there, guys. You never know what you m- what might go down. Now let's get this party started. Brandon was impressed with Andy's ability to work a crowd into a frenzy. He felt like the entire attraction could bomb from here on out and everyone would still be convinced that it was st- that it was the best thing that they'd ever seen. His nerves were finally beginning to calm. This was going so well. All that was left to do was relax and enjoy the show. Several hours passed with no end to the the fun in sight. Andy wondered if the customers would just keep coming until sunrise. Maybe they'd just keep going straight through Halloween. Brandon knew that wouldn't be the case. Surely the police would shut shut them down for some noise complaint before that happened. Still, though, the crowd was impressive. Finally, the two attraction owners decided they should experience their work firsthand. They agreed to enter the house separately so they could each be surprised by what the other had done on his own. Brandon went first. He wanted to wait a bit and keep an eye on the crowd, but Andy convinced him that if he did that, he would never go in. He made his way to the front of the line and told the actor watching the door that he wanted to enter alone. People objected to his line cutting, but of course, he owned the place. He could do whatever (laughs) he wanted. Since he let Andy handle the upstairs portion of the house, he decided to explore that direction first.
1: I have a feeling Brandon here is going to uh, pay a price for his hubris. (laughs) Yeah, something's
2: going to happen. The lighting, smoke, the sound effects in the the entryway foyer... Were enough to disorient a person. That was, that was an excellent way to start the experience. Brandon could hear screams of other guests coming from every corridor in the house. It didn't take a full ten seconds before Brandon got his first jump scare of the night. An actress who had been sitting in a chair beside the front door leaped to her feet and chased him toward the staircase. He knew she was up. He knew that she was there. He told her to be there. Excuse me. He knew that that was going to happen and it still startled him. About halfway up the staircase, Brandon noticed the first of Andy's personal touches. As he observed the railing above, he saw the silhouette of a woman in a white gown struggling against the banister. With an ear piercing scream, she threw herself over the edge towards Brandon. Her screaming was stopped at once when the rope around her neck tightened and she was left hanging only a few feet away from him. Brandon was always impressed with Andy's creativity, but this time he had out—he had outdone himself. Brandon didn't know if this was animatronic or it was just a simple trick with the rope, but he liked the effect either way. Upstairs was no disappointment either. Brandon fell like a sucker for the actor hiding under the bedsheet scare that Andy set up. He wasn't even allowed any time to react before the armoire doors came crashing open and he was chased out of the room by an actor with a very realistic looking rubber knife. He continued through the rooms dodging men in masks and fighting the urge to throw up from the disorienting lights. When he made his way to the bathroom, he detected a faint odor that repulsed him. He liked the idea of using smells in the attraction. Why settle for just a couple of senses when you, can af- when you can offend them all? Inside the small room, he saw that Andy had splattered fake blood everywhere. Brandon sighed when he thought about how cliche this was. But he quickly felt that Andy had redeemed himself when he saw what was in the bathtub. Here we are again. <laughs> yeah. As he was peering into the blood red water, Andy witnessed what appeared to be a woman's corpse floating to the surface. He expected her to jump out and chase him out of the room, but she never moved. This was either a prop or the single most committed actress in the entire world. (laughs) Either way, something about her body not moving at all seemed even eerier than a jump scare. Agreed. I yeah I agree with that 100 percent. That would fuck you. That would yeah that no yeah, that'd be gnarly. Yeah. At about that same time, Andy had made his way to the basement where Brandon had full creative authority. He half expected to see the entire sublevel of the house riddled with charts and statistics, but as he, but he was pleasantly surprised when he saw that the classic den was turned into a parody of itself that sent shivers down his spine. The dim lighting in the room barely allowed the dusty furniture to be seen, and an old radio in the corner was playing a song from the 1920s. Andy was just trying to take it all in, when he noticed the rocking chair next to the radio began to move. Have you seen my baby? came the voice of a woman sitting in the chair. I need to find my baby. Andy jumped. The lighting in the room didn't even allow him to see anyone in the chair when he entered. Once he calmed down and allowed his heart to heart rate to return to normal, he thought this was just a nice touch. For the audience members who understood the history of the house, this would be a great reference. But even if you didn't get it, you would still find this extremely creepy. Suddenly the chair stopped rocking and the woman stood up slowly. She locked eyes with Andy for a few seconds before her blank stare turned to scorn. Get out of my house!" she screamed as she lunged towards him. Andy followed her not so subtle hint and turned to leave the room. He found himself facing an open door that he wouldn't he hadn't noticed before. Beyond the door was a makeshift operating room with shelves full of body parts and other strange paraphernalia. Brandon must have found Sutton's secret lab. Andy thought, "Cool. I didn't even think that was real." He stepped carefully into the room. He was certain that Brandon would have stationed someone behind the stone slab to scare off any visitors. When no one jumped out to frighten him, Andy decided to look behind the slab for for confirmation. Instead of a masked actor poised to jump, he found one of the latex corpses they ordered. It was positioned to look like it fell off the operating table. Andy was a little disappointed by that one. That feeling was rapidly replaced by horror when the brick walls began to open up revealing doors and slabs reminiscent of a morgue from these small openings several more corpses came flooding onto the floor the sound of flesh hitting stone filled the room Andy couldn't stop stop himself from turning to flee the room well played Brandon he thought but I'd hate to be the volunteer that has to reset that each time the rest of the night went better than either of them could ever have hoped for People continued to come to the Sutton House for hours, and several visitors went through the attraction more than once. Everything was perfect. They had already recouped all of their investments, and it wasn't even Halloween night. They had an even bigger crowd to look forward to. Uh, they had an even bigger crowd to look forward to then. The next day, during the daylight hours, Annie and Brandon returned to the site of their grand adventure. They wanted to make sure that everything would go well again that night and to clean up anything that might they might have missed in the dark. Didn't I tell you this would be awesome, Andy said with his usual excitement as they walked through the front door. What you did with that hidden room upstairs, epic. You think so? Brandon said, fishing a pen out of his pocket to take notes with. One of our actors bailed on me and that was the best I could do. No, man, it was great. Andy put his hands behind his head and began doing his own form of mental note-taking. The bodies. Man, I had no idea that was coming. He started to head to the basement again to to relive the experience. Yeah, Brandon said mainly to himself. The body was all I could do. He rubbed his tired eyes for a moment before he ascended the staircase to see what damage might have been done upstairs. He stopped to examine the hanging woman prop in the daylight. He needed to know how it was done. He must have been wrong about it being some kind of rope trick with an actor. All of the actors had long since gone. He reached out to feel the prop. It was much heavier than any of their rubber corpses. And he must have picked this one out to make make the fall look better. And he was really good at making sure things like making sure things like that were just right. Brandon couldn't lift it high enough to see what kind of animatronics were installed into this particular effect, but he was sure it was too complicated for him anyways. Anyways. Brandon, came a frightened voice from the bottom of the staircase, and he looked even paler than usual as he pleaded with his friend. Brandon, we've got to get out of this place right now. What are you talking about? Brandon asked as he continued to prod the hanging prop. Just listen to me. The seriousness in Andy's voice told Brandon that something was very wrong. Just get your notebook and let's go. And okay, I'm coming. Brandon listened to Andy's suggestion and joined him at the bottom of the stairs. If Andy was serious about something, it had to be a big deal. Andy made a phone call. Then they waited outside as the police searched the house. They had been best friends since the first day of college. There was never an awkward moment between them. But this time, neither one of them could think of anything to say. Silence echoed through their minds as they both stood, just stood there, staring at the front door, waiting to see what the police would discover in their new house. The reports were gruesome. Thirteen real bodies were found inside the Sutton house. Each one would be identified as a guest that never completed their tour. The woman hang- found hanging in the foyer was supposed to have gotten married that Halloween. The haunted house is supposed to be something of a bachelorette party for her. The corpse in the bathtub belonged to a retired school teacher who was looking to recapture her youth. An autopsy showed that her cause of death was a collection of blunt force traumas. Ten different men were found with open wounds and missing organs in the secret room in the the basement. The final body was that of a middle-aged man who was found poisoned in the backyard. No one in the town truly believed that the boys had committed these crimes. In fact, there were several witnesses that could testify to seeing them outside the house almost the entire night. The sad truth, however, is that no crime goes unpunished, even if sometimes the wrong person faces the punishment. Both Andy and Brandon were convinced, uh, convicted for reckless endangerment and manslaughter. Originally, they were to face trial for murder on several accounts. Somehow, their sentence was some kind of compromise. Courts. Compromised, courts, compromise. The Sutton house was boarded up and condemned immediately after the police concluded their investigations. An ownership conflict prevents the house from being demolished. It stands as a reminder of the fateful night. What really happened inside the house still hasn't been determined. Theories range from ghosts to escaped mental patients to rampaging actor looking for things more realistic. In this case, there's a final final note that says uh, that the names have been changed the, of the people involved. Uh, and they've intentionally left out the location of the Sutton House. It is, however, uh, in a small Midwestern town. And whenever people go missing in the area, rumors spread about the power of the Sutton House. Right. So, yeah, um, I, I know it's kind of a lengthy one.
1: No, that's that's a crazy ass story.
2: I, I I really dig this because I don't know if you've ever watched any of the of the Hell House franchise. Yep. Fucking fantastic. Yeah, agreed. And this is very reminiscent of that. Yeah. Um. You know. But you know, like, and of course, real people die. And and like when they first open up Hell House, which is uh, the uh, what the Annan uh, Annan Hotel or whatever, yeah. Um, and I believe it was in New York. Um, but yeah, just uh, basically just then renamed basically to, or re uh, you know, called Hell House right. essentially. But yeah, I thought it was super cool. I I love the idea. I've always wanted to open my Hunt I think it'd be so fun. Yeah. And it's something that I, I hope to do one day, just because it'd be so cool to do. And I love the idea of home haunts. I've gotten, you know, the last couple of years, I've gotten obsessed with going to different haunts. Um, I almost started a YouTube channel just literally going through and, you know, getting permission to tape haunts and right. uh, critique them and review them and things like that. Um, you know, it's getting back on the subject. Have you watched The Houses of Octoberville? No, I haven't You're killing me. <laughs> I will. After this, do it, please. All because right. I mean, the first one, first one obviously first, the second one. second one is still it is just as good and it continues the story.
1: It's Halloween. I might throw it on.
2: It's focused around and it's focused around haunts, okay whether it's home haunts. Uh, Extreme haunts, shitty haunts, whatever it is. Sure. And I love, I love. In this case, I mean, they went to extreme depths over a two-day period to make this massive thing happen. Yeah. That resulted in such a gruesome, (laughs) terrifying encounter that, I mean, you know, we were talking about that that uh, the bathtub. Yeah. You know, and then we find this person in the bathtub. Not knowing if it's an actual real person or if it's a you know a fake prop or something like that. Sure. Turns out to be an actual real person.
1: Yeah, a school teacher.
2: And a lot of a lot of these a lot of these props and things like that that people have just
1: discounted as props were actual real. Right. Including the person hanging in the foyer and all the organs and shit in the in the right. medical room. Yeah, I was gonna say two days for sure the next time i need a project done i'm calling Brandon and Andy <laughs> dude i know like
2: <laughs> they're determined and it sounds like it was probably incredible yeah and that's where that's where I, I bring you know i kind of go back to hell house and that because you know i mean they also a short period of time before they opened theirs and it became the biggest widely known thing but also i mean a lot of shit went down right and this is just, like, it, it almost makes me relive that, you know, which is awesome. And I loved the story when I first read it, and that's
1: why I, I knew that I wanted to do it despite it being a longer story. For sure. It was really good. Some notes about the Sutton family story. That story is like, it's like if H.H. H. Holmes and Sarah Winchester got married. Like, it was like a, a mixture of those two stories. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that one was a little, a little, uh, a little nuts because I mean, obviously you got this doctor, and he's not your normal, you know, run-of-the-mill doctor. No. He's doing some, he's doing some shit, right? You know, and a lot of like these old. There were like thirty different bodies that were found in this basement, yep,
1: uh, of test subjects, right? Yeah. Quote unquote. Um, like what kind of test was this dude doing? I don't know. I'm gonna guess he didn't. He wasn't prescribing a lot of antibiotics.
2: <laughs> I don't think so. Like yeah. So and that's I, I really dig that like that twist on it too.
1: Yeah. I like the the scary story inside a scary story. Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And it's like um, if you remember the uh, the hunting in Connecticut movie. Yeah where um you know turns there's that room in the basement that the kid's living in that he has cancer you know yep. um he's living in that room and the the basement finds out that there's this extra room where this doctor used to do abortions yeah. and experiments and all this crazy shit and that that also kind of reminded me of that too
1: yeah yeah and um also did the like fucking psychopathic teenagers that murdered that old lady did they go to prison because <laughs> Jesus Christ like that was such a weird detail for the story for was, the writer to there just kind of
2: really anything else to yeah, went off
1: of it so I don't know to be honest just kind of passed over it yeah
2: it was like oh also by the way this happened right
1: well, so uh, you know a group of teens came in and bludgeoned an elderly lady to death you know like they do <laughs> you know teen <laughs> like, angst boys will be boys <laughs>
2: Yeah, Christ, uh, that that was that was a little a little odd, oddly placed. I think, but um, I, mean, I think it's also to add like the sinisterness
1: to the story, sure. right? Like to this past and whatever else. That was almost as off-putting for me as the bathtub full of hair. Oh, dude, that's so fucking gross. That bathtub full of hair, like props to Brandon, because if that had happened to me. I would have been out. I wouldn't have put my I wouldn't have put my hand in there. I
2: don't you don't know what's in there. I would have canceled the whole fucking project. Like, I would have at least grab like an old coat hanger and like started like <laughs> digging that in there, like maybe like stabbing shit just to see if there's anything <laughs> in there. Exactly. Like I don't give a fuck. If there there could be like bodies, there could be like animals, there could be fucking piranhas, dinosaurs, who knows? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Also, side note: these two boys in this story are hundred percent in love with each other.
2: <laughs> you think so?
1: hundred percent. All right, that's fair. Yeah, dude. Every time they like referred to one of each to each other, they're like, "Brandon is always so good at this," and like Andy is Andy's amazing at this. Like they only had nice things to say about each other, and there aren't. Yeah, there is you. No. hey,
2: that is okay.
1: No. That's, it is 2021. I mean, sir, yeah, so. it's fine that they're in love. I'm just saying, like, it's yeah. obvious. That's, I mean, it's it's notable. I I didn't never. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's obvious that they're in love because like two ooh, straight right. friends that are male. They don't talk about each other like that. They talk <laughs> shit about each other.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I'll give it to you. let There's there's a different angle that. Uh, yeah, I think if that was added into the story, I I would have like I would have developed a. More of a, you know, maybe more of like a, uh, you know, just a bond with a character. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just being like, man, these guys, they, you know, they're like, they're putting their heart and souls into it. They're loving each other. They're doing these things. And then they're both convicted of manslaughter and all this other shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, which, I mean, like, it's definitely, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. You know, it's, like especially in a case like this but you know don't you get like insurance for things like
1: that not if you spend two days doing the entire project yeah i guess you're probably right they probably didn't set aside time to meet with their insurance agent <laughs> so what happens if people die
2: i any, anytime i do something from now on I'm, I'm gonna make sure that's a question so what happens
1: exactly. on the off chance like setting um, up a pool in the backyard what happens what if happens
2: die? <laughs> exactly yeah. no that's actually a legit question i had yes uh, we were saying we were trying to like set up our, our uh your area for the pool here um yeah because i mean catastrophic events like shit that
1: you can't control like what yeah. happens and anytime you have like workmen on your property you want to know things about liability and all that yeah yeah exactly but, yeah. I mean,
2: also, you know, like, most often, those workmen and stuff like that also have additional insurance that yep. they use, like, where, through their companies and stuff like that. So, it's going to be a little bit different.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. Exiting adult corner. <laughs>
2: let's uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's bring right. it home here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, this story was submitted by a longtime friend of both of ours, Mr. Corey Constable.
2: Okay. And, All right. I'm stoked um, to
1: hear it. Basically, like I put out some feelers a few months ago about people who had like paranormal encounters, weird, weird stories, and right, he submitted this. So I'm just awesome. gonna give you a little rundown, which I found really cool because you know we've known Corey since we were what 13, 14. I mean, yeah, long time in bands together and right, everything exactly. Else
2: flip-flop fridays like
1: everything you know (laughs) exactly and i had no idea that he had ever experienced any of this so that's cool awesome it was cool all right yeah no i'm pumped to hear it beginning with i suppose you'd like to hear about my ghost encounters i suppose you're right there Corey. yeah the main one is when i was it is when i was living on the main road in hartford city Really all these take place there in the city, different houses and experiences. Okay. We've got child ghosts in windows, shaking beds, items moving, and some long walks. I won't bullshit around because I don't want to overthink anything. I'll start from the beginning and work my way up. The first experience from the first experience of ghosts happened in the house I grew up in. It was a large house on Mulberry Street. In that old house, there had been stories about how a young boy had died in the house. I can get more information about this later if you'd like. Growing up there, things always felt weird, even though I was about eight years old or so. I specifically remember my mother talking about the boy and how he preferred the bathroom. My mother always kept a very neat and orderly house. We can attest to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you moved something, you would notice when she put it back. Lots of knickknacks and cute little figures everywhere. Anyway, the figures on top of the toilet would be in different spots, if not, if not even on the damn sink. The lights would turn off and on when you were in the tub. That feeling of being watched or someone else in there was almost always present.
2: I fucking hate that feeling.
1: Yeah, it's awful. Now there was a balcony off their bedroom with a door that was wood on the edge but glass in the middle. So, like French doors. Mm -hmm. I'd sleep in their room a lot because of weird feelings in my room and also being a child. But in the glass of the door, I would see a little boy in old timey dress, waving or just standing there. I could describe him accurately, and my mother would say, Yes, that's so and so from whatever happened there before. Also, can get more info on that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) At least he's willing to grab more information. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: that's so-and-so from whatever happened. So, when I was a budding teen, we moved to a big house on the main road. Whatever three turns into when it goes through Hartford City. Walnut. Walnut, yep. I had the whole upstairs as my bedroom and music room with a lot of storage in the closets on the other side. Which, this freaks me out because I remember this room. Okay. Okay. Every t- Everything was fine until... Now get this, I read some incantation spells and such from the Necronomicon.
2: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> Summoning spells and shit. <laughs> I am well aware that that is technically a fictional book, and I was aware of that then.
2: I mean, there's a very real, well, I guess, quote-unquote real
1: Necronomicon... That's out sure. There. So yeah, but odds are he didn't buy the real Necronomicon at Walden Books, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they just carry it. There.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it started with no one wanting to come up and hang out anymore, and those that did would say they felt uncomfortable or sick and felt like they were gro- and felt like they were being watched. I always felt like someone else was up there as well. My mother then was a bit of a hoarder and had a lot of stuff in storage. She had things in the closet in those plastic tubs with sealed tight lids on them stacked all the way up to the ceiling. And the smaller clear ones that you could fit under a bed. Mm-hmm. One night I heard a crash in the storage closet and thought nothing of it. A day or so later when she went looking for something, she asked me why I had been going through and opening all of the containers and why I just threw them all over the place and rifled through them. I had done none of this and went to see what she was talking about and these perfectly stacked and sealed tubs were pulled out of their stacks, opened and all the contents were thrown about the closet as if someone was frantically looking for something. Wow. Not long after that, <clears throat> not long after that at night my bed would shake like I had put a quarter in it. Wind would push through the loose spots on the windows and shake the panes when there was no storm or anything outside. The bed would shake like crazy and lift up and push back. I had a steel or iron bed frame that had little poles on it, and I would hold on to them. Even without episodes, I liked to grasp one and almost needed to in order to go to sleep. The cold steel or iron or whatever, it it just made me comfortable. To this day, I have to be holding on to something or grasping it to go to sleep. Yeah, no, I I feel that the same way, for sure. Yeah. I ended up having conversations with whatever it was. No reply, but I could feel it. This happened a lot. Eventually, I got fed up and just told them to quit because I had to go to sleep. When I was expecting company, I would tell them to cool it and leave.
2: I'm trying to sleep, damn it.
1: Exactly. Eventually, it was kind of fine and we moved. Ah, the long walks. Side note. I would take, I would walk a lot all around town. I had for years, even after this house. But while being there, I always felt a need to get up and walk. I'd just follow where a pull took me. Almost any time I did, I would end up where an ambulance or the police were. One time I felt like I had, like I had no choice but to walk downtown. No reason at all. I was just drawn. And there was a stabbing at, at the bar, whatever it's called, I just stood there and watched, and then I walked home.
2: Well, kind yeah. of like a yeah, just a sense at that point, which is cool.
1: Yeah. End of story. Awesome. Yeah,
2: Corey, well done, well done. Right. Uh, I I feel like I, I I've also experienced a lot of these similar things as well. Um yeah I mean you know it's it's not especially the bed thing it's not a great yeah. feeling. I've never had my bed physically like picked up or shaken like that but i've I've definitely had the feeling of being pinned down. I've had the feeling of being grabbed at my feet and being pulled you know so i I definitely get that um Jesus it's uh you know like some some of the shit's pretty damn gnarly uh, he's obviously dealing with the poltergeist in this case.
1: Hundred percent.
2: Not not just a normal hunt. Uh, obviously a poltergeist, and I'm wondering, you know, because they lived in this this specific house. So, and then of course dealing with the uh, the one from the previous house, so the, the little boy in the bathroom. Yep. So I'm wondering, you know, if it was something that either followed or you know just being at that point. Like I, I, think I think that people definitely go through a, a uh, period of, or you know, go through like being easy, more suscept- susceptible, or more open to these things. Yeah, you know, I think, it, especially if you if you experience it in your childhood, I think it's easier to carry on with you as you get older. Yeah, I think so. Most people are on there. You know, ghosts aren't real. Like da 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 da. That shit's not. That shit's not going to happen. But also, if you don't experience it, I think at a younger age where you're more susceptible, you have more of, uh, more of a quote unquote sixth sense. Okay, yeah, you know, for for these types of occurrences, I think like if you don't have that experience, it's very, it's a lot harder for you to experience
1: it as you get older too. That's what bums me out so much because I've never had a paranormal experience ever. Right, and. Wait, I it's crazy to me for sure. Yeah, oftentimes I feel like it's never gonna happen now.
2: It's, it's still a- possible. I mean I think it's still possible. I think it's just I think it's harder at that point. Yeah. As an adult because we get you know, we get stuck in these, these ways and these ways of thinking. You're not as open, so you know, your mind doesn't allow you to uh, you know your mind or even these beings or not beings whatever whatever they are sure um you know and maybe maybe can sense that and maybe it's something that like you know if you don't have that that type of sense or you don't have that openness or whatever else you know, be able to achieve you know i guess i don't know i might be reaching
1: i might be just making shit up i don't know but that's how how i feel you know i mean i certainly it certainly makes sense to me that if you experience something as a child, you're more receptive to it throughout life, right? That makes a lot of sense to me. I get that. Yeah, but like, for sure. you know, I mean, I I honestly hundred percent believe in ghosts. Yeah. So even though I've never I've never experienced anything, I've I believe people. You know what I mean when people when I've heard people talk about. And tell me stories about seeing things and experiencing things that it's impossible to explain. It's, and to me, it's real, right? It's not something you're going to
2: dismiss. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, that's good. That's good. It's good to be that open. And I mean, keep yourself that open, you know, because you continue to like keep it open, continue to kind of welcome that possibility you know, I think it, it can still be achieved. I think, you know, and I, I think that's like, yeah, you know, a lot of like ghost hunters, uh, paranormal groups, like investigative groups, and stuff like that. Sure. Like, I, I I think a lot of that to me is bullshit. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, put on for um, the camera. Exactly. You know, they're putting on a show. You know, I think it takes literally having you know having the ability to be sensitive enough. Sure. Um, you know, to be able to experience, and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's not all bullshit, you know, maybe, maybe these, some of these are very real, um, but I know, like, you know, I, myself, I know, like, my past experiences, um, and, you know, growing up with that and things like that, I think, like, you know, just like in, in Corey's case, I mean, you know, experiencing a lot of different types of activity, yeah, um, and you know many many different things. I think the closet thing is is nuts. Yeah, that um, one freaked me you know, out. That yeah, that one's definitely crazy. Um, I've seen some types of similar situations, not necessarily you know, items in a closet being just thrown about and you know whatever
1: else, but uh,
2: yeah, I mean, it's definitely cool, and I I appreciate obviously this the sharing of the story. Yeah, um, I mean is, for
1: context' sake cory was cory's an only child right right it was always i as, as long as i knew him it was just him and his mom living together yeah right yeah so like and she would never do that no, <laughs> right? I mean, unless unless he was like sleepwalking maybe from maybe.
2: sleepwalking right sure you know that's possible Definitely possible. I mean, you know, if we want to, like, get technical and kind of think about, like, other alternatives and other possible options, you know, that could be one way to kind of sum it up. And in a lot of cases, a lot of people would use that as, you know, maybe that's that's what happened. Maybe it wasn't to the point of, like, being, you know, some crazy, like, sleepwalking. Maybe he just, like, you know, sleepwalked enough. Um, you know, to the point where he would just kind of fuck shit up and then go back to bed. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to say. Yeah. But, um, I mean, he know. was
1: being, he was feeling pulled to walk while he was awake. So who's to say that didn't happen while he was asleep as well? Exactly. And maybe but, that was something working through him anyway.
2: And I think that's another area of being, that's an extra area of being sensitive. Yeah. You know, being pulled to in this type of direction he would just, you know, be open to it yeah and would lead him to like that one particular example of the right, story the about the stabbing right yeah um you know like that's a whole different thing for yeah. sure um you know that's no, it's, a, I mean,
1: it's a very cool story like collection of stories and like i would love to interview Corey and like talk to him about experiences oh yeah i would
2: love to like, hear more
1: that'd be awesome
2: yeah Especially if, if it's continued into, I mean, his now adult years. Yeah, I'm curious um, about that myself. You know, so How yeah, long have we gone on? We should try and get him on an episode sometime and just uh, see if we can Pick his brand. continue on. Yeah, I'm into yeah. it. Cool. All right, that is my last story. Cool, yeah, that's that's my stories as well. Um, it's been a lot of fun going over them and just kind of reading you know, submitted stories or some of these just... Creepy, you know, creepy, spooky tales, for sure. uh, To celebrate our Halloween night here, um, yeah. I mean, outside of that, I think that's pretty much everything I've got. I, I think, kind of keep it short and you know, short and simple tonight.
1: What do you think? Yeah, definitely. No, just you know, Happy Halloween. Don't eat any razor blades and apples. (laughs) In fact,
2: make sure to check your children's candy.
1: (laughs) If some asshole gives you or your child an apple. Instead of a piece of candy, throw that fucking apple right at them.
0: <laughs>
1: just pick it up and launch it right at them. Fuck an apple. This is Halloween. That's a little brutal. <laughs> no. Throw it right at them. Fuck that apple. <laughs> exactly. We ain't here for fruit, bitch. <laughs> it's better. If you have like an eight-year-old, have them do it. And th- that way, right after they throw it, you can just go like, ah, Johnny damn kids man Ah, sorry about that you understand right you know (laughs)
2: exactly (laughs) that's awesome i will keep that in mind if i ever have children (laughs) don't risk the apples Let them do my
1: bidding throw them right back at them i mean anyway it's it's
2: halloween like come on
1: like why waste your time with fucking fruit like some fucking some reese cups some twizzlers do halloween right and shit yeah
2: exactly oh man I think, we t- I think we have some reese's and almond joys um, <laughs> i might uh, finish up my halloween night with some of that all right okay awesome so. well i appreciate you guys uh listening to the spooky tales uh again we may continue this on we may not you know who knows we'll see how it does and uh i i dig it i dig a lot of the especially the submitted stories creepy oh, yeah. creepy stories creepy pasta like Anything. If you guys ever have any stories you want to share, you are welcome to uh, visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com uh, We do have a submission area. You are yep. welcome to submit it. You can also submit it on all of our socials as well. Uh, which, stay tuned at the end of the episode for all the links to those.
1: For sure. Also, you can just send us an email straight to contact at com.
2: Exactly. Yeah, We are open, and we will always tell your stories, or if you want to be a, you know, a guest, uh, guest in a story or tell your story on your own, you are more than welcome. We are always very
1: happy yep. to listen. We'd love to talk. And now for something special. Obviously, this time of year is very important to the Fortean podcast community, and we've been absolutely overwhelmed by the love and support of our peers. One of those friends, the hosts of Totally Weird and Twisted, had the brilliant idea to compile a bunch of Halloween greetings from those in the community and each of those who participate would include the compilation in their Halloween episodes. So here it is. Enjoy it, and go check out the ones that pique your interest. Again, big thanks to the ladies over at Totally Weird and Twisted Podcast.
3: Happy Halloween from Rogue Darkness, the podcast that uncovers how the misinterpretations and misinformation surrounding witchcraft, the occult, and other beliefs have led many to do unthinkable crimes. Hi, I'm Carly. And I'm Tara of the Haunted Housewives Podcast, wishing you a happy fucking Halloween. Stay barefoot and haunted. Hey, this is Wendy with the Juicy Pair Podcast with Sean and Wendy. Please check us out. We love everything paranormal, creative types, people who have overcome obstacles. We want to wish everybody a very fun and fabulous Halloween. And stay safe out there and be scary. creepy crawlies out there on this spooky ooky season this is debbie q with the right shoe wishing everyone a very happy healthy and safe holiday season dance and be merry it's halloween
0: Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison, and we're two girls in a campfire. We've been best friends for a really long time, and we love to sit around and talk about true crime, the paranormal, and anything spooky. You can find us online at the number two girls on a campfire.com. We're on Instagram and Facebook. And we hope that you have a super spooktacular Halloween. And we'll see, see you around the campfire. campfire. <laughs> Happy, Happy Halloween. Hey there, this is Nikki from Bats on the Brain podcast, a podcast about all things paranormal, spooky, and a little bit baddie. Here to wish you a spooky and haunting Halloween this year. And remember, while you're out and about being scary and mischievous, Halloween isn't just for the living. You never know who will
3: come
1: out to play. Happy Halloween, baddies!
3: What it do, what it do, what it do. This is the homie Leo from Movies on Weed. I am the host who's always humble after smoking on that crumble. I'll tell you if the movies wank after I puff on that dank. Anyways, I want to wish everybody out there a happy and safe Halloween. Don't forget to get your candy corn, your edibles, and your pre-rolls. And don't forget, kids, whiskey goes good with everything.
1: Welcome, campers, and happy Halloween. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. We're the hosts of Campfire, Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. Join us every
2: Tuesday for terrifying campfire tales based on some of the strangest accounts ever recorded.
1: Will there be cryptids? Yep. What about aliens? Duh. Even ghosts? Obviously. Excellent. So look for us on your favorite podcast app every week where we'll be doing our very best to better define the blurry edges of our reality. So remember, campers... Stay weird and trust in the unknown.
3: Hello, Internet, and happy Halloween. I'm Teresa, and
0: I host the Shit That Scares Me podcast. I talk about all of the scary things in this big, scary world, like hauntings, domestic terrorism, aging, disability in America. We're going to talk about it all. Sometimes I even bring my friends in for a chat. So if you like being scared or just want to hear stories from
3: someone who's scared of the same things that you are, subscribe to Shit That Scares Me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay scared, my friends.
0: Did you know there was a man named Saint Germain, and there's evidence that people saw this guy for hundreds of years, and he always looked the same. He never aged. A lot of people believed he was immortal or even a vampire. Hey everyone, this is Elaine Cheney from Wait What Podcast, where every Friday I talk about strange things like quantum immortality, time travel, UFOs, ghosts. If you're into those things, listen to me on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope everyone has a happy, spooky, but safe Halloween. Happy spooky season and happy Halloween from Alicia and Sierra at Twisted and Uncourt.
3: Hi everybody. This is Edo La Rosa from a Brian Schaeffer story. Don't look behind and walk alone in the dark. The scariest time of the year has come. Be aware of who you receive candies from. You don't even know who's dead and who's alive tonight. So I want to make sure that you carve your pumpkin and get yourself ready for the witch hunting. Because tonight... It's going to be the scariest Halloween of your life. Happy Halloween.
1: Happy Halloween from Vile Beans.
3: Happy Halloween from
1: Jackie and Emily, the The Greener Greener Grass Grass Podcast. Hey, Emily. Yeah? Would you rather? Go on a date with a vampire or a ghost. Well, I've been
0: ghosted, so I'm picking vampire.
1: Huh, vampire. Yeah. I heard they suck.
0: <laughs> Get yes. It. Get it. Check us out every Monday for a new episode.
1: Bye. Love you, bye. Bye. Happy Halloween from Unearthly Wanderings, your Aussie paranormal investigator on YouTube.
3: What it do, what it do, what it do. This is the homie Leo from Movies on Weed. I am the host who's always humble after smoking on that crumble. I'll tell you if the movies wank after I puff on that dank. Anyways, I want to wish everybody out there a happy and safe Halloween. Don't forget to get your candy corn, your edibles, and your pre-rolls. And don't forget, kids, whiskey goes good with everything.
2: Happy harvest, Mandy. Blessed salmon, Katie. A blessed bee. Blessed bee. Hi, I'm Mandy. <laughs> I'm Katie, and we are two besties that share a love for all things totally weird and twisted like the paranormal, true crime, people who marry inanimate objects. Yes, that's one of our favorites. People just like that. <laughs> we also host a talk show on ParaFlix, which is a paranormal streaming app that is all paranormal all the time. We are rated F4. Uh, Foul mouthery. Foul mouthery works. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, your discretion is advised.
3: Cheers. Cheers. Happy Halloween. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, once, uh, once again, guys, happy Halloween. That wraps it up for us. Uh, this uh, Halloween edition of Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. I've been Ryan. I'm Jordan. Remember, campers. Stay weird.
1: And trust in the unknown. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening.
2: rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling.
1: And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.